Amen. Thank you. So throughout this series, we've been talking about a life well-lived, stewardship, or in other words, legacy. We've talked about how we can structure and orient our lives to live them well, but also so that the byproduct of that life well-lived would be a legacy that goes on beyond us. And as I was preparing for this sermon and I was thinking about legacy, I, I, began, to try to, I began to ask myself, who has left a legacy in my life? And I thought about my granny, Granny Keys. Uh, I love my Granny Keys, and she has made quite an impact on my life. So Granny always had the word Jesus on her lips, always. Whether she was affirming us or scolding us, it didn't matter. But more importantly, what I, what I realize and what I see about Granny Keys is the word Jesus wasn't just on her lips. It was expressed in the way that she lived her life. As I look at the way that she lived her life, what I saw was love. Many times she would frustrate me because she would continue to love people I had already given up on. She continued to provide for and reach out to and show affection towards people that I thought, that, don't waste your time. I would say things like, they don't, in, my, in my own heart, they don't, they don't deserve that love. And so what Granny Keys taught me was a legacy of persevering love. She showed me what it looked like to love someone without expecting anything in return. She left a legacy and an impact on my life that showed me what it looks like to love other people the way Jesus would love them. Now, unfortunately, uh, because of her medical condition, uh, we have painfully been reminded of of her mortality, that she will not always be with us. And that's what the candles on the table are supposed to remind us of today as well. They're supposed to remind us of our mortality. They're supposed to remind us of, of the loved ones and how the loved ones that these candles rep- represent, that, that their memories have lived on past their lives here on this earth. And I have to tell you, as, as, a, as a pastor, I have a unique perspective. As a pastor, I many times get the opportunity to be inserted into a family's lives in one of the most painful periods that they will ever encounter. I get to be inputted and, and, and injected into the lives of, of members of our church and members of our community when they've lost someone dear to them. And I have to tell you, it is It is painful. It is painful as a pastor to see people that you care about or people that you know God cares about in such pain. It's painful, but it is such a privilege and an honor as well. I get to be there and be near and, and be the hands and feet of Jesus 
for those that Jesus loves so much, but I also get to, to hear stories. It's one of my favorite parts of, of these moments. I get to sit down with the family and say, tell me about your loved one. Tell me what they, how they impacted your life. Tell me what memories come to mind when you think of them. What's gonna carry on beyond their life here on this earth? And I get to sit with families and hear the legacies that these loved ones have left behind. I know that the seven lives that are represented with our seven candles here this morning have left an impression and have left a legacy, a legacy that many of us here this morning play a part in. And for that, I know that we are all grateful. We've gathered here today to remember but also to celebrate, to celebrate the fruit of a life well lived. Fruit that was not lost in death, but continues on in the lives of those that were impacted by that legacy. The Apostle Paul put it this way when he was writing to the church of Philippi, you heard it earlier, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you're standing firm in the spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. What a great reminder for us this morning. Hear this. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. That's what I saw in Granny Keys. She lived a life not for herself. She lived a life that was worthy of the gospel of Christ. That, that's the legacy, church, that we're called to live. That is, that is the standard of a life well lived? Was it worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? See, on this day, especially on this day, we are reminded of how lives impact other lives. How the way that we live and the way that we interact with those around us has an impact, has a lasting impact. See, as followers of Jesus, we are called, again, to live a life worthy of the gospel. We are called to stand firm in the spirit, side by side, for the faith of the gospel. But that's not what the world woos us and tempts us to live. The way the world tells us to live is vastly different than this call that the gospel has extended to us. The call of the world is to live for yourself, to take charge and to live for yourself. But the call of Jesus is a call to die, to give yourself over and allow God to be the king and the ruler of your life. The call of the world is to get as much as you can here And now, even if you have to go into insurmountable debt in order to do it. But the call of Jesus, the call of Jesus is to give 
as much as you can and only to owe a debt of love to those around you. I love that. The call of the world is to have nothing left when you finish this world, to spend it all because we don't get to to take it with us. Can I tell you, church, that is not an eternal perspective. The call of Jesus, the call that is extended to you and to me is to leave a legacy, to, to live our lives worthy of the gospel, to live our lives in such a way that they have a legacy, a, a eternal impact, an impact that not only affects our children, but our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. See, a legacy has so much more to do with, with other things than money. We limit it. We even mentioned that when we began this stewardship series, that when we hear stewardship, we think, oh, well, the church is going to ask me for money. And I warned you then, and I'll warn you now, I'm not asking for your money. I'm asking for so much more. Jesus is asking for so much more. He's asking for your life. He's asking you to live that life worthy of the gospel, worthy of the message, the worthy of the good news that a loving God had died for the sins of the world so that death might not have the final say, that we could celebrate beyond the pain of our loss knowing that there was a great reunion for those in Christ. We're called to live a legacy beyond money. We're called to live a legacy of love, to leave a spiritual legacy in this world so that the fruit of a life well lived would continue. See, the Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the Philippians, uh, he was giving them a command. This was the first command in this letter. And the command is all about overcoming. It's all about progressing in our faith. He was concerned with how the church was living together as the body of Christ. He was concerned with their spiritual progress. Did you hear that? He wasn't concerned as much with their spiritual condition, where they had prayed a prayer or signed a membership card. The Apostle Paul was concerned with how the church was progressing how they were moving forward in their faith, how they were building a momentum that led to a legacy, building momentum that would continue beyond their life here on this earth. He was encouraging them to build that momentum so that they were able to sustain that momentum in times of persecution and hardship. So you can't, bu- you can't build that momentum when persecution comes. You can't build that momentum when hardship shows up at your door. You have to build it before. You have to build it in preparation for the hardships that we know will come. And that's what, that's what Paul is saying. He's saying that we need to, to build this momentum so that we're able to stand firm to stand firm in our faith in all spheres of life, in all seasons of life. Uh, Or as the old joke goes, I I love this. uh, Rick told me this. I'd never heard this before. Uh, 
As the old joke goes, live such a life that the pastor doesn't have to lie at your funeral. Am I right? Help, help us pastors out, okay? Just, it ain't easy sometimes writing these funeral messages. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> we are called to live our lives that way. To live our lives so that the pastor doesn't have to lie. To live our lives so the pastor doesn't have enough time to celebrate all the impact that your life has had. That should be our goal. To live our lives where uh, the, the, the pastor has to just stop and say, I can't say anymore. I, there, we don't have enough time to acknowledge what this person's life has accomplished for the kingdom, the fruit that this person's life has created. You see, that what, I, what I love is this text, this live your life in, worthy of the gospel. It's actually translating one Greek word into this phrase. And that Greek word in its literal translation means to exercise the rights of a citizen. To exercise the rights and the duties of a citizen. So our lives should put on display that we're not living as citizens of this world. We're living our lives and we're making our decisions and we're directing our efforts as citizens of an eternal kingdom. You ever gone to another country? You ever gone to another place where it was obvious that you weren't from around there? That's how we should look. That's how we live a life that's worthy of the gospel. That's how we live a life well. That's how we live a life that leads a legacy. Now, I know those are very broad terms, so let me, let me bring it down for us just a little bit. Uh, we, we read in Galatians a clear picture of what a life well lived, what, what the fruit of a life well lived will produce. In Galatians 5, and 23, Paul tells us that by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of a life lived as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven is this, love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the standard. That's the fruit. That's what I hope my life produces in others when my time here on this earth is over. Because that will last well into eternity. Or as John Wesley would say, he, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, he would say, I value all things only by the price they shall gain in eternity. How many of us think that way? I value all things only by the price they shall gain in eternity. Let us pray. Father in heaven, ooh, what a standard. What a standard. I know many of us are feeling the weight of that standard right now. We are looking at our lives and we're examining how we've lived up to this point and, and the weight of that standard is, is, is weighing down our shoulders. It almost feels oppressive. 
Father, can I just share your words when you said my, my burden is easy and light? And so I just pray for those who feel the weight, the heaviness of this standard of living. They wouldn't push against that. I pray they would give themselves over to it because that's the point. The weight of the standard should humble us to call out to you and ask you to empower us to live up to this standard because we can't do it on our own. If we do, but under our own effort, under our own strength, it is a burden too heavy for us to bear. It is a standard impossible for us to accomplish. But if we humble ourselves and give control over to you and we ask you to be the king of our lives under your guidance and under your strength and, and with your empowerment, the burden is easy and it is light. And we'll get to enjoy the fruit now. And those who love us will get to enjoy the fruit after we have passed. Help us, Jesus. In Jesus.